Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, sometimes I think back to when I was younger. Life was so much simpler. Well, Matt, we, we finally come to the end of Even Worse, and we're going out on a pretty big note here. Uh, your friend, my friend, everyone's friend, everybody's friend, MC Lars is here to talk about the good old days, both the song and just our own personal good old days. Oh boy, we could just talk about the good old days for, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast we could do. What's up, friends? This is tight. <laughs> Thanks for coming, uh, Lars. So good to have you. For those of you who haven't listened to the song for some reason, uh, the quick breakdown from Wikipedia the album's closer, Good Old Days, is about a psychopath finally remembering his childhood. Yankovic describes the song as an experiment, and he wanted to see if he could write a song as if Charlie Manson and James Taylor were contributing together. That's the only information on the internet about this song, but man, is there a lot to talk about with this song. Lars, I want to start with, this was one of the top picks for you right out the gate. What What is your connection with Good Old Days? So I've discovered Weird Al because... One of my best friends, I grew up in Oakland. He moved to Oregon. He came back to visit and he had a, a dubbed copy of this, just dubbed, and it didn't, of this album, it didn't have Velvet Elvis and it didn't have Twister for some reason. Okay, interesting. On there. But he let, he, he was put it, we were playing Nintendo. He put it on my dad's stereo and then he got sick or something. He laid down for a nap and then his dad came to get him and he forgot the tape and left it in the stereo. And I owe that fortuitous event to me discovering Weird Al when I was 10. And so anyway, this song is interesting because it's like nostalgically looking back, I was like, huh, I thought, what would it be when I look back at my life when I'm a grown up, thinking about my high school years and whatever that were still to come. And now I'm on this very popular Weird Al podcast with two cool <laughs> men talking about it. I mean. One thing I wanted to mention is that you'd mentioned the Charles Manson, James Taylor mashup and like reference. And one of the interesting things about Charles Manson's music career is that, right, the killings in, in, uh, on Cielo happened because he went up there to hang out with the dude from the Beach Boys yeah. who was trying to work with him. He came back and, um, and he was like, I'm not trying to, to give you a record deal. So he sent his boys to get revenge on the Hollywood beautiful people happen to be different tenants at the time. Whoops. Yeah. Um, but I uh. think about how if Patreon existed and Kickstarter existed <laughs> during the Manson years, Sharon Tate would have a son. 
Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a, you're right, dude. That is quite a take on it. This is like, this is why we need to support the arts. (laughs) That's the real takeaway here. Decentralize it. And I mean, Lars hit all of the key points of that entire story. There's really no need to dive deeper. But if you want it to dive deeper into that story, you must remember this did a fantastic, like, eight part series called Manson in Hollywood. Uh, that is really meticulously goes through specifically. I mean, the Bare Naked Ladies song, Brian Wilson, is almost directly about the result of the Manson, uh, Brian Wilson collaboration and how right. like that kind of caused Brian Wilson to not want to leave his house out of fear for many years. Well, they didn't credit <laughs> him, right? Like he co-wrote a song. They they didn't credit him. Yeah. And so he got revenge on the music industry. Oh, I don't and- wait. They. I'm sorry, because I might not know this. Manson co-wrote a song with. Brian Wilson that got released. Dennis Wilson, sorry. He oh, Dennis, Dennis Wilson. Wilson. I'm sorry. Of course, Dennis Wilson. And it was on, uh, and and so they gave him like a car or a guitar or something. The song was called "You're So Beautiful," and uh, it was like a hit. Oh, was that on Pacific Ocean Blue, the Dennis Wilson record? We're definitely going to inside baseball ish, but like, <laughs> no, this is, is great. Is the, this is great. The, uh, yeah, I was. I I started. I got really interested in this because after the, the, the Tarantino movie, I was like, what is the real history behind all this? Yeah. It was never learn not to love, which was the B side to bluebirds over the mountain. Wow. And he had co-written it, but he exchanged it for some money in a motorcycle. So he was like, whatever. So he wasn't written on, he wasn't credited on it. So he got a little mad and that came out in the summer of 68. And the next summer he's like, you know, I'm not getting it. It's kind of like Spotify. My royalties aren't appropriate to the work I put in. (laughs) (laughs) And someone else who had his revenge on the music industry was Linwood's favorite Dadaist pop parodist who took the legacy of Manson, the aesthetics of James Taylor. There you go. And finished off his fifth studio album, surprisingly, without one of the only albums without a polka. Why is this in the first record the only two without polkas? Yeah, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and our only guess, I, I should say my only guess. I think it's is, a good guess though. Is that <laughs> this is the album following Polka Party, which is the album that was so poorly received it almost ended his career. And I wonder if following that, he was like feeling less stoked on the idea of doing a polka on his record. Maybe he thought, Moving away from polkas was a smart career move at this point in time. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because, yeah, it is. It's really odd to realize that this album is devoid of one. Well, well it's also kind of yeah. it's kind of upsetting when you actually think about it because the next album in in ninety or in eighty nine, it's all Rolling Stones, which means that like there is. Four years of great 80s music that True. could have been put into a polka that just never did. Well, well think about this. Think about this, Mats. So um, <laughs> all you probably, I'm sure this is like, I'm like late to this party. Every song but Fat. This polka party. Is, yeah. is, a, par- <laughs> is a parody of a cover. Yes. Right? Yes. And so he's like, wait, there's so many covers on this album. Am I going to do a medley of covers? I've already got a cover. That's true. He might have thought of it that way, too. I mean, we were saying that, like, the fact that they're all covers, like, that can't be a coincidence for Al. Like, that must have been something that he thought about in the moment. I mean, especially doing two of them that are covers of Tommy James and the Shondells. Yeah. Which Um, we later found out. Yeah, alimony, yeah. alimony, and uh, I think I'm a clone now. Are both I think I'm a clone now covers of songs originally by Tommy James in the '60s, which is crazy. Which one of our listeners pointed out later on 
that not only were there these two massive songs that were both parodies of the same artist, but that one unseated the other one in the number one oh, position right. on yeah. the actual Bi- Billboard Billy Idol's Moni Moni knocked Tiffany's I think we're alone now from the top <laughs> spot. So Al was really, I, I think, again, I, I th- this is something that's come up a lot, which is I think that Al does not get enough credit as much credit as he gets, he doesn't get enough credit for how clever he is with some of the stuff he does. And I think the idea of this record being making a point to reference the fact that the popular songs on the radio were all recycled versions of older songs is not lost on me. You know, I'm going to throw in even worse versions of the even worse. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I would also throw this out there as a possible theory because he wouldn't have to pay. I'm assuming he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have to pay the copyrights to Tiffany you'd have to pay it to Tommy James, right? When he does the, to, uh, the parody. At least as best I can tell legally, yeah, Tiffany wouldn't have made anything off of uh, the song. Billy Idol would not have made anything. George Harrison would not have made anything. I mean, they would have gotten that bump. They would have gotten they that gotten sweet, the, sweet, They would have gotten the Weird Al bump. But, bump. Exactly. But, but I'm thinking that it's probably cheaper to get the copyrights to a 40-year-old song than a year-old song for... for Maybe. Uh, I don't know, we, uh, but also the songs were really hot at that time, so maybe not. That's true. I, I don't. I don't know. But also, we know that he paid nothing for lasagna because it was a traditional folk song. That's right. That was the so, one I was forgetting. Yes. So I'm. I'm wondering if also because of the poor performance of Polka Party, that Scotty Brothers was also not willing to have to pay for all of those song cover, like the copyrights for all of the songs in that polka, and tried to keep it to oh, the lowest possible keep it on margin. The cheap? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. We also like, talked about how on Polka Party, uh, Scotty Brothers had him do Living in America, which was a song that they owned. So they were basically paying <laughs> th- paying that royalty to themselves, another cost-cutting measure. But in this case, maybe <laughs> maybe this was a good compromise, Al. Also, an interesting side note, we haven't said this yet about this record, but like following Dare to be Stupid and Polka Party, which are two albums that are known for having label interference with Al and his creative process. This one, I don't think, and we really don't actually hear much about that again from this point on. And I wonder if the poor performance of Polka Party played a part in that. And he said to the late, like, look, leave me alone. Like, let me, I can do this cheap enough. I can figure out a way to make this work. But, you know, after some interference, I wonder if they did finally say like, all right, fine, you do your thing, especially following the success of this record. I was going to say this being his biggest record, at least at the time, if not, for a pretty damn long while. For a long time. Saying, yeah, so, so yeah, anyway, that is a whole lot of even worse speculation. What, <laughs> so, Polka, so Twister's the first, his first rap parody, right? Yes, yes it which is. Which we also talked about because a lot of people tried to say it was Amish Paradise, and that's just simply not true. Or or, or, or Isle Thing was the next one, right? And then, yeah. yeah, you could sort of count, uh, you could count Isle Thing. And then uh, you can't touch this, can't watch this. Can't yeah, watch he's this. dabbled in rap for a while. That's I feel true. Like You're right. Every about time that. he puts out a new rap song, they want to try to act like it's the first, <laughs> the first you know, he time. He said to me when, when I in 2011 when I had coffee with Al, he was like, "I was like, do you think rap is the dominant pop form now?" He goes, "No, it's one of them though." And he goes, "I like li- writing rap more than I like listening to it." <laughs> That's, what he said. That's cool. I can I can yeah. believe that from his perspective. It must be really fun to sink his teeth into lyrically. Do you think yeah. if Al was to make another album, which maybe I still dream of the day, 
but like if he was to make an album in like 2023, 2024, do you think he would go for BTS? You think that that would be like one of, <laughs> <laughs> would we get Alpha? He, we know that he's wanted to do a song in a different language for a while. Do, do we actually fully get another song in a different language? <laughs> another song in a different language. Um, exactly. Well, that's a whole thing, right? Cause like what in 20, what 18, he was saying, he told me he was like, I'm not, gonna do any more parodies it's too hard the culture moves too fast and then mm-hmm. there was that rolling stone interview he's like i can't do parodies of people of color because there's appropriation mm-hmm. so yeah. i don't know man i feel like we're not gonna see any more al parodies just because he said so and because yeah. of the culture so it's like the artists he has parodied are now in this like canon of the 20th 21st century paradigm shift so I think, yeah, there's a lot to speculate on, Matt, because like P- BTS, that would be great in a foreign language. Like, be interesting to hear him do a lot of things, but doing like, it's like, like doing Megan the Stallion or something. He, there's like being like a 60 year old white cisgender <laughs> hetero dude. Is now it's kind it's of tough. Yeah. Problematic. And he yeah. admits that, which so props to him. But I don't know. I, I, I hey, as long would. as we keep getting solid original bangers like good old days in the future, then I'm happy. And with that, let's talk hey. about good old days. <laughs> Agreed. So, Do you find on this podcast you have to like, okay, we know you like, we know you like all about the Pentiums, but this episode is on Velvet Elvis, oh, Well, we try really, we try really hard. <laughs> we fail all the time, but the we time. try really hard to like, analyze things from the exact time that it took place and try not to take future in at all like when we're ranking stuff it's like i can't i can't choose to rank this song based on how i feel about some originals on like bad hair day and this has to just be my view up until 1988 where it is yeah we sort of talked we sort of talked before about how there's certain concepts and comedic ideas he's done in a song where you feel like you can see that he did it again later better like a better executed version of a similar concept. And, you know, in the ranking process, we try to only look at it, you know, chronologically as if this is just where we are in his career and, and nothing else has actually happened yet. Um, yeah, that's what's up. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. you can't be like, man, when he did, you don't love me anymore. Oh, no, we, we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, we'll definitely bring it up. <laughs> that, that is a style of, uh, that does remind me of in excess a little bit. In yeah. Paul Gilbert's solo in, uh, the one who wants to be with you. Oh but, yeah. And why does James Taylor have to finish pa- style parodies on both those records that <laughs> showcase artists that represent the shift from pop to grunge, both of which <laughs> resuscitated his career in a very clever way. I never really thought like, that. and now again, we're doing the exact tangent we were talking about trying to not do, but is, is you don't love me anymore. Also James Taylor. No, I always assumed that was a power ballad, like extreme type parody. I thought so too. I was re- researching it though. I was like, I'd Google James Taylor Weird Al and some maybe some. It's definitely the sort of thing where you can like any sort of a gently sung song with an acoustic guitar. You could say I'm is gonna, James Taylor. I'm going to tell you right period, now, Lars. This feels very. I mean, I think this there's is no undeniable. This, this yeah. is James Taylor without a doubt. Yes. This, so I I have to warn you, Lars. Be careful on that Google. <laughs> we <laughs> we've Googled song lyrics that tell us that it's that it's in the style of K-pop, and it'll be like. Fat. <laughs> like it's, oh yeah. What the was Google, the, It said something was a country song. Uh, good enough for now. It was claiming as a country. No, no, no. no. Well, like, good enough for now actually is kind of a country song. It was something. Oh, then that it was, was one totally, of those days. One of those days. Oh, one of those days, was, oh, was, of those days a, was a country yeah. song. I was like, I don't think so. Um, 
What was I, I was going to say real quick off the record? Yeah. When you get to smells like Nirvana, Danny Goldberg. This is completely sorry. I'm doing what we said we weren't. Doing. <laughs> Danny Goldberg, who was who was Kurt Cobain's manager, um, wrote a really good book about being Kurt Cobain's manager, and it's called uh, what's it called? It's called Serving the Servant. Anyway, this is like alpha, meaning like trivia. People don't realize he has a whole section on how Cobain was hated the video and was not hated smells like nirvana the video and was not trying to give him approval he's like i like the song i don't like how al parried the baby on the cover because he's taking advantage of our brand even though cobain had approved it and he said the video makes fun of our fans and so danny goldberg had to chase cobain on tour and in a heroin induced haze cobain was like okay you can do he can release the video but like it took him forever because cobain was not happy about the video or the book because the whole story is aha uh-huh, it's Interesting. funny uh-huh. It's not going to be about food, right, Al? Ha ha. We love it. Oh, it's great. But he was like very salty about it. Maybe that was the heroin talking. That's worth finding that book and reading that chapter. Because yeah. track that down. No Absolutely. one will talk about that. And I, I feel like Cobain loved Al in the long run, but there was a point where he felt like everyone was making fun of him in the grunge thing. He's like, yeah, the donut on the cover, I'm not down with it. It wouldn't be the only example. That's just the same as like Eminem who approved the song, but then did not like the video. But Eminem didn't have such like a, a Svengali manager who- No, that's true. That's true. That was a different, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly the same, but there's an interesting parallel there, right? You're right. You're the, right, Matt. You're yeah. right. Or, or Gaga, who's like, oh, Or shoot. Gaga, another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, I can't wait to get into some of the almost declined- Parodies. And the thing of, and the thing about weird, the new documentary with Daniel Radcliffe. No, oh, that new documentary, yeah. <laughs> we can't do all. We can't be jumping around. No, but we can anyway. cover everything in this episode. I think we can just we're going to sit down with you for several yeah, we'll just hours. End the ep- we'll, and we'll end just end wrap the show up the after whole this show. One. <laughs> and the song that we just did with Weird Al, where Matt's playing bass with Weird Al. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, we're going to get okay. into all of it. You'll be back on here because I do have on the long list of like everything Al did. True player for reals in there, baby. <laughs> like, oh, that's oh, yeah. Song, yeah, Al doesn't have oh. too many, uh, too many guest features. Guess yeah, you were the first. Uh, that was my first like connection to Al professionally in any way was through MC Lars, who got Al to guest on a song that also had Weedis guest on it, and we did it through the magic of the internet, and we weren't ever in the same room. But boy, was that a treat! My goodness, and you know what's interesting <laughs> was yeah, no, it's tight. Brandon from Weedis <laughs> does not play a Fender. But good old Mr. Fender ran the corner grocery <laughs> store. And I always thought about how... I love that line. That, it, I didn't realize that later when I first got my Fender guitar, I was like, oh, that's funny, Al. There's yeah. a similar thing on um, Insane Clown Posse's song, Halls of Illusions, speaking of collabs, that has Slash from Guns N' Roses, which was the first single from Great Malenko, which was released by Hollywood Records. <laughs> Disney reclaimed it. Disney had boycotts. In, because the Baptist church didn't like that they had a day for gay families. So then um, Hollywood Records dropped ICP, then they got signed by Island. Anyway. Side note, Lars, totally unrelated. Do you, by, by chance, have an uh, Insane Clown Posse podcast you'd like to promote really quick? <laughs> oh, yeah, Hatchet Chat with Snack. Thank you. Yes, listen to Hatchet Chat, everyone. It's great. Dude, I remember <laughs> being so confused when I finally bought The Great Malenko because the music video lyrics are so dramatically different oh, yeah. than the album lyrics, and I was like, "Oh wow, they really, they really got to change illusion. a lot for this." Yeah, and your yeah, and your daughter got blank stains on her back, and they both <laughs> smell like s and live in the gutter and shell, sell crack to, to each, each other. other. <laughs> That's an example of an Emily Dickinson slant rhyme showing Violent <laughs> love of the transcendentalist. <laughs> no, but my point is, here's the point that I brought that up. Uh, You're like Lars. 
did you take your medic ADD medication? No, you're doing <laughs> everything right. <laughs> So he goes, he goes, guess who's back? It's Mr. Clark, the dirty old man from the trailer park. Mikey Clark produced the record. Okay, so he, all so right. It's a funny shade towards Mike Clark. So mm. I think about good old Mr. Fender, ran the local grocery store. Did <laughs> Steve J have a Fender guitar? What inspired that line? <laughs> it is interesting that he chose to do the Mr. Fender. I mean, it's a great, it's a great little bit of rhyme that I can still remember, good old Mr. Fender. Um, I mean, Jim West, not Steve J. Sorry. Jim West. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, get it together, uh, Lars. Steve, Steve J could play a, a, a Fender bass. That's a thing. There you go. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's it, maybe it's just the rhyme. Maybe he is doing a little bit of a of a wink music reference in this track. I, it doesn't seem to carry any further than just uh, the name of this poor, poor man. Yeah. Well, you know, I, let's just analyze that that verse alone. There. The the rhyme scheme throughout this song is actually really fun, right? Because it's yeah. like, I still remember good old Mr. Fender, who ran the local grocery store. He'd stroll down the aisle with a big friendly smile. Then he'd say howdy when he walked in the door. Like going on, like it's like it's it's yeah. definitely doing that like two two one two two one rhyme scheme throughout. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's you know most people I think just tend to lean on like. The N words only, right? Just like, all right, the last Rappers word of every line. Yeah. like, But it's like, yes. oh, man, like he's actually yeah. kind of bobbing and weaving all these other rhymes throughout the verses, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it now on Genius, which zero annotations. <laughs> <laughs> eight, eight views we of fix all that. time, half, half of which of ours. Well, and it, here's the thing about it. Like, it be you know the term metonymy? That be, yeah. That's like when an extended metaphor reflects something grander. So. Yeah. So we have in this song, like an interesting his 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 childhood to his like young adulthood, yes, to his like depraved serial killer adolescence, and it's like if we look at someone you know like Dahmer, right? When he's little, torturing rats with a hacksaw, pulling the wings off of flies. Okay, Dahmer was inspired by his father to explore the anatomy of animals, and then yeah. burning down burning down Mr. Fender's grocery store, like escalating a little bit. And killing him with a hammer. There you go. And 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 <laughs> and Dahmer's first murder was homeboy who was going to the festival. He brought home and beat his head in with a weight and then buried him in the yard, cut him up. And then ironically, wow. Dahmer <laughs> was killed by being having his skull bashed in by a weight in the prison yeah. workout room. But, but here's here's the crazy thing. You're where I mean Dahmer is the perfect reference point for this song. Dahmer didn't, didn't get caught close. till three years after this song came out. <laughs> Seriously? Are you serious? Yeah, Dahmer was caught in ninety-one. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that just actually freaked me out a little. That's really intense. <laughs> but it is it is like hitting the exact oh my god, is is Weird Al secretly Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> This is the kind of breaking no, news. Dahmer, yeah. No, Dahmer's not a vegetarian. Dahmer, yeah, oh, okay. that's true. That's true. That's very true. And maybe, yeah. the, maybe the prom story uh, at the end here, or the homecoming dance, I should say. It's not prom, it's homecoming. Um, I don't know if that's Dahmer. Did you guys watch the Dahmer's thing on Netflix? I didn't. Uh, both the doc and the, and the series, yes. <laughs> that's what's up. I mean, he... Ugh. They took a lot of liberties. They definitely created a victim that didn't exist that was just like a combination of multiple victims, which I have a problem with because well, I feel like sometimes that's like, okay, let's let's at least try to get the victims correct because they're like the people who 
you know, we should be thinking about and not so much the maniac that took their lives, but whatever. Have you seen, not- have you seen Step Brothers? Yes. Yes. You know how the dad and stepbrothers is basically the same character as the dad in Dahmer. He's like, my son won't grow up. He's doing yeah. these crazy hijinks. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the actors <laughs> like this. He's like, Will Ferrell, you like Return of the Jedi, and like Dahmer would put in the Return of the Jedi contacts and hack up these fools. But yeah. the thing, but the thing about Dahmer, like that was crazy, is that that summer in Milwaukee, a lot of this is sad. It's not funny. People in the um, gay subculture were dying of AIDS. So it's mm. like, oh, where's Jerry? Oh, he's sick. He died of AIDS. So it's like people were disappearing and the racism and everything like allowed him to perpetuate these atrocities. Oh, yeah. So he should have been crazy. caught a million times. Yeah. A million times over. But he was, I I, um, I assume very intentionally, although he says otherwise, very intentionally was picking people that no one was going to be quote unquote looking for or taken seriously for them being missing. Like it was a very predatory fucked up thing. Uh, if you, Matt, if you go and you guys know chat GPT, the AI thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask it questions about Dahmer, I asked too many and my account got banned. I was like, <laughs> what are the similarities between Dahmer? I'm like, what are the similarities between Dahmer and Gacy? And they're like, well, one kept them under the beds. One kept them in the bathroom. One got blah, blah, blah. And they're like, asking questions like this are inappropriate and a violation of our terms of service. You can, and I'm like, what are, I'm like, what are some funny things about Dahmer? Compare Dahmer to Pol Pot. And they're like, these comparisons are not appropriate. So I got my account banned by asking too many Dahmer questions. So I, so I used my AOL email account to make a new account. So I was on there, I was like, I was like, can I ask questions about good old days in chat GPT and Dahmer or do I want to get shadow banned again? Oh my God. Holy oh my shit. God. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Here's the thing, right? Al, you this comes up a lot. <laughs> Al talks a lot about like, his stuff is G-rated, but he has these like horrific violent things. And there's a lot of like, like Nathan Rab- Rabin, Rabin? Yeah. 
in his book about Al talks about like the creepy Lothario. This is like one, one of the worst. He basically tortures this woman and leaves her to die in the woods and doesn't know if she survived. Like airline Amy is creepy a little bit. Like Melanie is stalker-esque too, which I guess is on the same record. But this one is like, he's actually killing this woman in the woods. This is and- extremely dark. This is, yeah, I mean, this is-, is really like, yeah, it, this is intense. You know, the only other one, and again, we're going to jump forward a little bit. It reminds me, he comes back to this a little bit with something like, I remember Larry. And we've been bringing but up, I remember Larry. I know, Larry that comes up a lot. A I'm lot. very excited to talk about it in greater <laughs> detail. But, and even in that song... I mean, it's a disproportionate response, but at least the whole setup is that this guy kind of deserves it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's the setup of the song. This is truly, this is a a, a psychopath just <laughs> chronicling the horrible things he has done to people. Al has gone out of his way to make clear are totally innocent. Yeah. Or, or Mr. Fender, Mr. Fender is a lovely, lovely man and his store gets burned down <laughs> and he gets beaten to death. Well, it's people who it's people people who open their hearts to this this outcast. Yeah, and I don't know if the rats and the flies, but like, well, they're innocent creatures, right? I mean, they, presumably yeah. they didn't do anything to deserve being <laughs> dismembered. Is this is this like the finest? Is this like the finest example of Al's juxtaposition? Because it is such a beautiful song <laughs> from a musical standpoint, well, and, and it's the, absolutely yeah, the most ab- horrific lyrics he's ever written. There's some really wonderful, I mean, you know, we've, again, talking about Al being underrated for certain things, the amount of satire and messaging, like, in this song is really incredible. Like, this is clearly a takedown of American values and looking at the world of, like, looking at the world through, like, the a Norman Rockwell painting aesthetic and then seeing how dark and horrifying things actually can be underneath that. Um, it also has this great view of, like, you can even look at it through the lens of how flawed nostalgia can be, <laughs> which we were yeah. talking about earlier. This isn't an entire song about like, oh, those were the good old days and then reflecting and being like, actually, they really were not. But we well, all fall victim to that concept of. Oh, that's brilliant, Matt. Right. That's brilliant analysis. But that's yeah. I mean, look at right now. You can't go on TikTok without finding somebody's like video of them going to a Trump rally and trying to ask someone to explain what what was when when exactly when was were the good old days. Yeah, America exactly. great. Like and, exactly. And every time they answer, like, well, you know, except for that slavery thing. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, no, except for that. Oh, they're yeah, like, except that. for the fact that women didn't get the vote. And they're like, yeah, no, no, except like, it's like our ability to just be like, oh, yeah, no, that that black and white 1950s, like just apple pie on the table every night with your family. Good, yeah. old, quote unquote, good old days. But like, this is what a decade before we get something as brilliant as um, Pleasantville. That's such a, an amazing sure. takedown of like. The 1950s. Well, people, in- people might think, Matt, people might look at the past and think nostalgically about them. But really, the truth is that it was even worse. Hey, hey. But, really, <laughs> but really, it's like doing a whole it's like if, hypothetically, if two like creative dudes with the same name did a podcast looking at the <laughs> legacy of an artist nostalgically. Yeah. Two things about this I want to say there's so I always think about like the problematic triforce of the American dream. Yeah. It's based on like domesticity and consumption of food, yeah. which Weird Al scours a lot. Oh, yeah. C- commerce, which he'll make fun of in songs like Hardware Store and like songs about Velvet Elvis, like how buying something makes you happy. Yep. And like dating and reproduction and the dance of like the social way of propagating the species. This song hits that triforce of the American dream with the home, the mom cooking apple pie, the mm-hmm. store, 
and the and the date that goes wrong in high school. But I think something really interesting about this song, which is very unique, and it's similar on this album. Weird Al often, Matt, we've talked about this. He doesn't, he, he usually changes his chorus to get the maximum JPM, jokes per minute. This song, the chorus is the same because yeah. he's remembering in a, in a similar way. It, it's this and Melanie. They're the only two that I can think of where he keeps the chorus exactly the same. Well, I guess, and and the aforementioned, I remember Larry. There, like, there are there are later examples of it, but yes, this is very much like the chorus is, and, and we also talked about in Melanie how the funny thing of like, if you looked at the chorus of this song on its own, separate from anything else, it's a perfectly reasonable, lovely hook to a song. <laughs> it's only the verses that make you realize how dark and sinister the whole thing is. And that's the, and of course there's, this song has just the comedic joke of having such intensely horrifying lyrics around such a pretty composition like this is a beautifully and, written song and honestly escalates perfectly yeah you know what i mean because like the very first one it's just like mentioning torturing the animals in the basement it's so quick yeah that that your brain's almost like wait did i just hear what i thought i heard and then you get to the mr fender one and that one adds a little bit more about like setting the the building on fire and killing him and you're like okay i definitely think i i'm hearing what i'm hearing then the third the bridge is just from start to finish horrific like there's not even like that much of a sweet setup to it it just introduces who the person is yeah. and then here's all the awful things that i did to them well he also just kind of <laughs> runs them down like it's because again the do you remember sweet michelle she was my high school romance she was fun to talk to and nice to smell kind of creepy <laughs> so i took her to the homecoming dance then I tied her to a chair and I shaved. It's so matter of fact, right? Yeah. I tied her to a chair and I shaved off all her hair and I left her in the desert all alone. I'm uncomfortable even reading this. Well, <laughs> well, sometimes in my dreams, I can still hear the screams. I wonder if she ever made it home. There's also something in this song. I've said this before about Sum's track we had that there is something I feel very deeply ingrained in me from being a child hearing Al's music that there is... So much of what I consider to be my own dark sense of humor must have come from listening to him throughout my formative years, because this is it's really not funny. I mean, I don't know how we can read these lyrics and say that they're funny on paper because they're just no, not. The, but it's, the comedy it's the way it's sang and then kicking into, like we said, that repetitive, catchy, like, yeah, pitch. I mean, this is. This is all of the things he's capturing all the things that make me love James Taylor. Like James Taylor oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is someone I fucking and, love. And I've <laughs> like, said it before, like I about something like I think I said it about Doggy Dog, which is like when I say that it's not funny on paper, I mean I don't mean that as an insult in any way. I mean like this is such a brilliant piece. Like we've talked about the scope of Al's comedy and how he can be really on the nose, goofy, funny, singing about food and putting fart sounds into his songs, but also do music that is about issues and really interesting stuff. And he is like, this is funny because of the weird juxtaposition of music and lyrics and the sentiment he's trying to get across in it. It's like, it tickles you in this weird way to hear them. Like, you know, it's like they don't belong together and that's, you know, interesting and enjoyable. But um, the greater like messaging that exists in this song is so, it is what makes it so great. It's a song about mental illness, right? Yes. And like, and Trigger Happy is too, right? And and both yeah. those songs, sir, both those songs, uh, <clears throat> work so well because of the juxtaposition of like the major key 
or not major key, but like happy mood that doesn't fit the music. Like when, when he has that juxtaposition, that is, he does that so well. Yes. Some songs of his that don't have that juxtaposition don't succeed as well. And I know like this podcast doesn't exist to like, look at, you don't necessarily want to focus on the negative stuff. And we all love him so much that. No, we, we definitely are, are down to talk about where things could have been better for sure. Look, yeah. But, <laughs> all yeah. you have to do is look at our I Want a New Duck episode, and you can hear that we are not afraid to point out when we think that he may have missed the mark yeah. <laughs> a little but, bit. But it helps, us, it helps people, like, as creative people, like, think about just, right, the process. It's no, yeah. no not a criticism. He's so prolific that, as Flea said, yabba dabba do now. Everyone's hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, and trust me, that is one that I'm not going to... The listeners of this show, I've dropped enough hints about it already, but like, I've got a lot of... I got a lot of thoughts on just the Alapalooza album in general. You love even worse then, Matt. I Let's let's do some rankings. It's time to do some rankings. That's what I'll say. Uh, Matt, where do you want to put good old days? We'll start there. I think, for me, I, I, you know, I've probably made it clear but if i haven't i think this is fantastic i really really love this track i think this is like i I don't know there's it's so scathing and so i don't know it's i've heard this song so many times and listening to it in preparation for this episode i still was struck by how incredibly grim (laughs) this song is um and also incredibly beautiful he goes to that awesome uh, this is something of it he like that chord he goes to that the band goes to at the end of the chorus that goes with a good old day like the that chord that the guitar guitar goes to is like a flat seven or a four over the i don't know there's some composition tricks in this song that are fantastic i'm I'm gonna steal the The vocal harmonies in the chorus and when the backing vocals come in and do the um the high school romance like all those little like it's just so so well done um and like we said before like just generally speaking i'm a real sucker for i feel like this is beautifully written and incredibly smart i think this is a really really smart thoughtful piece which is why i'm ranking it very very high and i'm gonna put it at number four in in between nature trail to hell and doggy dog all right you put it higher than i put it but i still put it pretty high on my on my list i put it in between uh christmas at ground zero which is a song i think we can all agree is great and then one that is very much a Matt Peck, uh, Twister. <laughs> so yeah, you got Twister way up there. <laughs> I love Twister, man. Um, so it's it's just in the top ten, I think, right now. Three, four, six, seven. Eight. Yeah, it's number ten on my top ten of his original songs. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now before we rank the album, I want Lars to get involved in the fun of the guest rankings. Mm. Uh, Good old days goes above. You make me and below one more minute. Okay. Yoda, what the hell is Yoda at the bottom? Yoda should be like below eat it. Like I'm moving it. I don't know what who the heck put it at the bottom. Jeez, the was, it, was that so- your friend Phil? <laughs> who moved Yoda down? It might have been, yeah. I think it was Phil. I think he dropped Phil that Jimenez? to the bottom. No, not Phil <laughs> not Phil Jimenez. Different Phil. <laughs> Yoda, it's like speaking of Empire Strikes Back in Dahmer's context. <laughs> hey, yeah, there we go. Melanie's better than eat it. 
don't know. <laughs> well, you moved. You saved Yoda. I know. You saved Yoda. Yeah, on... That's the thing. Someone's got to. We've had people do wild things where they're like, like for whatever reason, they're like, I want slime creatures at the bottom. Well, it's the like, best why? move. It's like ah, the, I don't know. <laughs> the best move I've seen yet was when Jim came on to do Living with a Hernia. And he put it at the bottom of his of the list, and then dropped one song just below his his own pick. Yeah, wait, Jim, you had Jim West? No, not no, Jim no, West. No, 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 no. We haven't had Jim West Jim. on yet. Although I would love, to, I, I would Look. love nothing more. Jim West, if you're listening, please come on our yeah. show. Open, How open call Jim's to everybody. Kanye? <laughs> Kanye's Kanye West, the... if you're listening and you want to come on our show, we'll at least consider it. If you want to talk we'll about an album, it'll mostly be a no, but it'll mo- we'll edit it heavily. <laughs> At least that's what Kanye West keeps telling me. <laughs> hey, yeah, there you go. Hey, Matt. Yes. Which one? Or both. Both Matts. Yes. Both Matt. Here's, can I share a sh- quick story about Of Eagle course Wars? you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of bookends my childhood. I would love that. So my boy Galen moved to Oregon. Didn't see him much after that. But Weird Al stayed with me forever. Fifth grade, I went to Catholic school after that. Wasn't feeling it. Wasn't tight. My friend Jason who's one of my best friends in art class, you had to cut up collages and he found an old Newsweek and he found a review of even worse, cut it out and gave it to me. And it was the first time I'd seen any like physical mainstream press about Weird Al and a picture of him. And my friend Jason on Halloween in eighth grade was killed in a car, a drunken uh, on Halloween, like by a drunk driver. Oh, and God. I always kept, I kept that, that article cause it was like he had cared enough to cut that out and give it to me. And it was like a way of showing he 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 did something he wasn't supposed to from the art room that he cared about my interest in music. And I thought about how like music can keep us together. And even after we go, these artifacts that piece together like our heart and things that give us solace uh, have a lasting like they go on past us. And so this album to me is like this really interesting encapsulation of these signposts in my childhood that like adolescence was going to be finite. Music would always be there. And the stories that we tell and the, and the songs we write have more meaning than just being something like on tape or digital. And so that's what I think about. It's like the good old days. It's like as a kid, I'd look forward to what is my life going to be like when I go to the prom and blah, blah, blah. I'm, of course, I'm not going to be horrific like this, but like thinking about nostalgia in the, in the future and then looking back about how this album encapsulated a really uh, important, pure love for music that's been connecting to all my friendships and like doing this podcast is really special to me. So yeah, Jason's memory lives on in my love for this album. So I, I wanted to share that. that. No, I'm I really glad that. you shared that. You know, it's funny. We, we've talked, bef- we've talked before on this about, it's just amazing. I kind of knew it already, but having the guests on and stuff, you just realize like the number of people in the world, especially at a young age, because a joke we've made before is it's like, it seems like for the last 30 or 40 years now, there's not like a 10 year old boy in the world who did not have a moment where he heard Weird Al and just his mind exploded with how it could be so good and so funny and so clever. Um, but yeah, the the amount of people who have been touched and who have shaped childhood memories shaped around Al and his music in various ways, whether positive or negative or like all these emotions attached to it is is just such a every time I hear about it, it just is so amazing and humbling really to think about how how powerful this man's catalog has has been which is an amazing thing to say about someone who is just considered this like you know goofy parody artist but it's really so true yeah no that was beautiful uh and now 
to <laughs> randomly you. do some more rankings. <laughs> so, Matt, we, we've come to the end of the album. No, that's actually the perfect segue for me to say that <laughs> at this moment, I am putting Even Worse as my favorite Weird Al record. Dude, I am right there with you. And before we did this podcast, I never <laughs> in a surprised. million <laughs> I never in a million years thought that I would rank this above Dare to Be Stupid. But there whereas Dare to Be Stupid, I think, is a very good album that has a couple tracks that I could do without. There is not a song on this album that I would wish to not exist in the universe. I, like, I, that's I, exactly the same <laughs> rationale I have. I think that um, I think that Dare to be Stupid has probably higher highs for sure, but this is the first Al record where I think that there's every single song on it is solid. Parodies, I mean, controversially, my number everything. <laughs> controversially, my number one original and parody are both of this album. Yeah, right there you now. go. I, I just think that he's really like, I, I don't know. I feel like this is definitely a step in a direction where he's he like this album feels really confident and feels really like I don't know like he learned some lessons from some past missteps and is just like I'm just gonna do my thing and I'm gonna be myself and I'm gonna parody songs that are interesting to me and I'm gonna write original songs inspired by things that are interesting to me I'm gonna hope that the audience keeps up instead of feeling like we talked about on Polka Party maybe he was trying to chase songs from soundtrack songs that he thought might be huge not necessarily because he loved them, but because he was hoping to grab a hit early. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Matt. Fortuitously, yes. though, like it's a, it's this it's this constant. I use the word metonymy. Like this this metonymy for Al's success is like the hard work and technical brilliance. But like the fact that Michael Jackson was like, okay, you can do fat. And yep. by the way, here's the set from the video with the little kids who did this version of Bad. Yep. And let's not talk about how I'm bad when I have little kids involved in my life. Sure. But, <laughs> but the fact that that set was available, that got Al his second Grammy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like sometimes Al has hits the brilliance again, but doesn't have the, the right pop culture zeitgeist to it's give true. him that momentum like or, or the right goodwill, like Couch yeah. Potato, right? That always- I was going to say, I feel like that's something that's going to come up later where in theory he did- nothing really wrong and somehow the album just came out at a moment where it was just like it's just not gonna work for you this time around and yeah no you're right you can do i mean this is something all artists face but al being someone who tackles pop culture directly he really suffers from it it's like sometimes you can do everything right and it just will not take off either because of outside forces or just the way of the world at that particular moment in time you I mean, know sometimes you drop from listening to lightning or, or sometimes <laughs> some or sometimes someone speeds up your hit song on tiktok sometimes you get 20 yeah. grand of royalties <laughs> in a month you don't know i mean hypothetically like, hypothetically just, something like that could fates, happen the fates <laughs> are al rides that wave well and well yeah that's why he's been doing it so long matt wait what's your favorite favorite original of all time of all time or up until this point? Well, you're saying my favorite original of all time is on of, well, up to this I, point. I, I, I actually am wrong. I I forgot that I ranked it at number two, but Melanie. Melanie and Dare to be Stupid are like head to head right now for me. And for your my favorite, favorite. Parody is which? Uh, I think I'm a clone now. Okay. <laughs> my favorite parody still remains to be uh, Yoda, but my favorite yeah. original right now is still Dare to be Stupid. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, yeah. I think we're alone now. This The song 
so Tiff, my friend Sean, who directed my Ahab video and the Guitar Hero Hero video, he did a great documentary called I Think We're Alone Now about two Oh, I forgot you knew the guy who made that. We talked about that on the episode. Of course. Okay. I forgot that you knew the guy who made that movie. That's a great documentary. Sean Donnelly. Anyway, you guys are tight. And wait, are we going to do the album list thing? Oh, no, you already did. Yeah, we, we already did. It. I put it at number one. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And number this one for both of us. Our, our our albums have the same number one. Mad will hate that for. I don't like it when we agree. <laughs> you both, your number one album is both Dare to Be Stupid. No, no even, even, worse. even worse. Both of you. Yeah, both, we both just yeah. put that at number one on our list. But before yeah. that, Matt had Dare to Be Stupid at number one, and I had In 3D at number one. Ultimately, at the end of it, you'll probably have a different favorite album. Everyone's going to be like, oh, Bad Hair Day. I was 12 <laughs> when I remember Larry came I mean, out. Bad, bad Hair Day is pretty <laughs> high up there for me. But, oh, I really, but... Like, I really like how he did They Might Be Giants. I'd never heard of They Might Be Giants. Stop oh, quoting my polka. actual takes. All right, well. <laughs> alternative polka. Oh, the Beck thing, because he Damn. was going to do Schmoozer and then couldn't get permission from Beck. Oh, so he used the riff for the intro. You're just ruining polka. all of my takes into the. Uh, in, well, in like I'm, three months, we're officially <laughs> having we're officially having MC Lars back for every episode of Bad Hair Day. Why did Why did Beck not release? Why did Beck say no to Schmoozer again? Uh, I think he was just like I'm sick and tired of being he basically the same thing the Kurt Cobain situation where it's just like everybody is making me into this like billboard child for a generation that I don't want to be the billboard child for. But Beck was so new in his career. He also turned down Dumb and Dumber. They want it. They want it loser to be the opening credit song for dumb and dumber and he said no <laughs> and then later on he was just like i was just so sick and tired of being like hey it's the loser guy yeah <laughs> like, so okay and he was saying that he didn't want to be a <sighs> but this is weird this article saying he didn't want to be a a joke band yeah i don't think beck thought that he was ever going to have another hit at that point <laughs> I, I think that he was like, this is the best that I'll there's ever a, there's get. There's a funny, and again, now we're gonna we're gonna have you back for Bad Hair Day, as we've already established. <laughs> Don't worry, but we're gonna block out a whole week. Um, but <laughs> that's a thing. I know that that happened with uh, They Might Be Giants as well. I know that they were actually like when he did that parody, they were somewhat concerned because they have always been, I would say, a little too nervous that they were considered like a novelty joke band. And that Al doing their their style was right. It hit them right in a, in a spot of insecurity about yeah. like, we don't what, what want par- the style parody. Wait, did the, they do everything straight- you know is wrong? Yeah, but they wait. Oh, they felt insecure about it. They felt yeah. insecure about embracing it because it they thought that validated. I'm speculating a little bit here, but based on little mentions of it that they've done in interviews, that they were not stoked to be considered they were not stoked for people to think like, oh yeah, Al and they might be giants. It's the same thing. Yeah. They didn't love that. I I know that my friend saw them live at Penn State uh, one year and it was like at the peak of Malcolm in the Middle and he said they literally got on stage and just played Boss of Me like right out the gate mm-hmm. <laughs> and was just like, so that's it. <laughs> they, like, used to, they used to play it all the time, but it, yeah. they never. Uh, it was never really like a closer or a big thing. Yeah, they yeah, were just yeah. like, "That's the song. If that's what you're here for, you, you're free to go." Because they just like <laughs> didn't. They did not want to deal with like people who didn't know the band like waiting for them to play that song. Sure. Like, it's like just... we we just starting with the oh yes during the opening part of a set. That's so <laughs> true. We used to we used to do that. We used to do the sound check. Uh, to be fair, we needed to do a sound check because our 
sound system was so terrible back then. But uh, that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, we would open with like the very tail end of Teenage Dirtbag, like just a couple seconds of it. And be like, does it sound okay? And then everyone's like, woo! And then we can play a show. And then they know that we... <laughs> Actually, people thought that maybe we didn't play the whole song. I remember put people a, being like, they don't even play it. the whole song. I was like, if you stayed till the end of the show, you would have heard the whole song. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey. So the two polkas that start with approximations of a different style are... Uh, Poke your eyes out with Cradle yep. of Love, another Billy Idol flavor, and Loser. Loser being because he they'd already started work on Schmoozer, and Steve Jim West's beautiful slide guitar work was immortalized. They had to use yeah. it. What other parodies start with like humorous approximations of the original? Those are the only two, I think. Right? I other think polkas. So. Yeah, polkas, polkas that start with them doing the actual genre. And That's a good question. Hey, you know what I'm saying? I can't yeah. think of any other ones. There might be one, um, but yeah, I can't. Maybe I, in one of the later ones, but I mean, I think no. I think no. I think those are the only. I think two. you're and right. Then, I think you're right. I can't the, think of one right now. And the only other musical moment that happens, media race or whatever, midway is the closer kick snare oh, in the middle right. of alternate polka. They That's don't right. do that again. I mean, do you do you count the the Bohemian polka? Where they do the like, this yes. is the real yes. before one, it kicks in. So this has been great. I want you all to check out the new Weedus Patreon. <laughs> I want you to support. I want you to support Matt's forty-seven podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us on your show, Lars. But this beyond has been that, great. beyond that, where can people go to support MC Lars? Yeah. Patreon.com/slash/MCLars. Two new songs a month. And uh, what was that Hatchet Man podcast again? And Hatchet Chat. Woo, there woo, you woo. go. In, in all seriousness, I, yeah, I, like. We have Sorry. been, uh, uh, we met, what was it, 2007, Lars? We yeah, did it, started yeah. touring together. It's been a very, very long time, and you are sincerely just one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I can't even tell you guys how many, how many laughs we have had traveling around uh, together over the years, and you're just, I'm so happy to have you on the show. You are also, again, a uh, tr uh, truly an Al expert yeah, uh, of your heart. own. You, you, you gave me a hard drive of all, like, lost... <laughs> Al rarities and I'm literally holding it in my hand. Like this is how close I keep it. Do you at still all have times. it? It's in did my hand. This is it. I'm holding I mean, it. I mean, I mean, did you listen to him? Oh There's yeah. some stuff there you hadn't heard, right? Oh, there was so much, dude. Are you kidding me? Like we did you give I, it to it, Matt, the other Matt? I, I, well, I, I've been sending him stuff from it as we go, but there have been things I found on it. Um like we talked about the his uh the Grammy thing. He did the polka with Frankie Yankovic for the Grammys, the guide to the Grammys, and you had that on oh. the th we referenced it on the show and then I pulled out the drive. I was like, Yep, there it is. How about how about his only like R rated joke, if I could make love to a bottle? Okay. That one? <laughs> Crime in a bottle parody. You remember that? I do I do remember it. We haven't actually talked about that one on the show yet, but we will. And <laughs> we're gonna we're we're gonna have you back because you you have so much great insight and in all this stuff and hey matt thanks for playing bass at my wedding oh see that's how this is that's how how close we are yeah. yes no it was my pleasure i love you and i'm so happy to have you on the show we'll have you back sorry if for you... talking so much are you no, kidding me that's that's it's better than we have to kind of pull yeah. the guest's teeth to get him to talk and, which has and, not and, happened yet but it will one day oh yeah matt, that hair day, that hair is actually really good i just think it's the one that, like, <laughs> it's the one that like older millennials it's too basic now, a pick like, i know what you mean it's like no, it's the one. That, it's like it's like the it's the one the older millennials got into Al, and then they're like, oh, I remember Larry. Uh, uh, hard uh, phony wait. calls, phony calls, and the <laughs> you know what's something about phony calls is like he goes, I'm gonna wrap his head in with a ratchet, right? Jerky yeah. Boys. That's all from Frank Rizzo. The Jerky, Jerky Boys, Boys the movie. 
This got framed in my office. Oh, my, and, God. Uh, my son, my son, Atlas came down here he, and I go, Atlas, that's Frank Rizzo because he knows Rizzo the rat from Muppets Christmas Carol. He goes, why is Frank Rizzo yelling? And I go, why do you think Atlas? He goes, is he sad because his mommy's not there? <laughs> and I it's think that's, guess. that's why we torture rats. That's why we burn down stores and that's why we murder people because we don't have enough love at home. Thank you for having me on the, your podcast. Peace. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.